Hey everyone, welcome back to the Last Word on Sens podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, and today joining me to break down everything from the weekend and look at this upcoming week, it is Brandon Plant, but you can also, you also probably know him better from uh, Sens Talk, the YouTube channel and the podcast. Brandon, thank you so much for joining me today. How's it going, man? Hey, thanks for having me on, Alex. It's an absolute pleasure to be on here and uh, let's talk some hockey. Yeah, absolutely. And it's awesome that we actually have some hockey to talk about for once. Um, oh, yeah. This is my my first episode with actual stuff to discuss, um, you know, with with actual NHL games. And I'm pumped about it. So let's just get nice right feeling. into it. Yeah, exactly. Right. So let's just get right into what we saw this weekend. You know, Ottawa splits the doubleheader with Toronto uh, win on Friday night in their uh, home opener and then a loss on Saturday night. Uh you know, I think if you told people coming into the weekend that they were going to take two of four from Toronto, people would probably be happy with that. And I think you you kind of have to be, right? Yeah, it's, um, listen, uh, when you, you're not playing a game in almost a year like Ottawa has, it was 310 days uh, before that game on Friday night, opening night. So to, to win that first game, firstly, was impressive, but to get that split is huge. Uh, it's definitely a huge confidence booster for the team. And uh, Brady Kachuk continually uh, says that uh, Ottawa's push is to make the playoffs. So, listen, this is definitely uh, something to put the division on notice. And um, let's see what they can do in Winnipeg. But uh, definitely a great start to the season, especially considering the long layoff they had. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the biggest thing that impressed me Friday. Uh, we'll get into both games here and who we liked and who we disliked and all that good stuff. But uh, I, I think the thing that really impressed me Friday was that they, uh, they, they had their legs right away. And I wasn't really yeah. sure how that was going to work out. Right. You said 310 days off. They, this is a weird year because there's no preseason games either. So not only is it a long layoff, usually you get six or seven preseason games to kind of ease yourself into it. By the end of preseason, you should be close to ready to go. Well, that wasn't the case. They had one inner scrimmage where it was like, I was as close to preseason as he got. And, and they still came out flying against a Toronto team who had already had a game under the, their belt on Wednesday. And um, to the point where they controlled the expected goals, 1.86 to 1.19. They slightly edged them out in Corsi four percentage as well. So, um, you know, obviously game to game, those things aren't a massive deal, but just the fact that, you know, they, they had the lead going into the third period and they dominated the third period as well was uh, honestly a really, Really encouraging thing to see they really took it to a Toronto team that uh, that market still uh, started to have some some questions after Friday night that's for sure well I'll say one thing uh, game one was a good example of what Ottawa could be and game two is an example of what we expected from Ottawa early on in the season um, you know we expected Ottawa to be fatigued uh, especially on a back-to-back after like I said 310 days without hockey uh, so you know the first game I think is what we're going to see more often this season for Ottawa uh, the offensive lines were working. Uh, so when they got the energy going and they don't, they're not fatigued and, you know, depleted uh, like they were in game two against Toronto, which they still were in, frankly, which is kind of shocking. Um, you know, I think uh, this offensive front that Pierre Dorian's put together, is definitely much improved. And I think Ottawa will be able to surprise score some goals. Now uh, we'll see how the defense holds up for the rest of the season when they play some tougher competition like McDavid and dry on a nightly basis. But uh, so far so good, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's going to be a really interesting test subject, in my opinion, anyways, to just see how how the Senators team holds up throughout the year in terms of these two to three on sometimes even four game series where I really do think that especially to start the year here, I, I think we could see Ottawa taking some games at the beginning of series. And the reason I say that is because, um, listen, they're clearly the seventh best team on paper heading into this year. Um 
it's not even a slight on them. It's just there's six other really good teams, and and Ottawa's All coming. Teams, so yeah, it's, exactly it's, right. And Ottawa's coming out of a rebuild, so it's not even really a slight on them or anything they did this offseason. There's just six other good teams, which makes them automatically seventh. However, they are still a good team, and if you come into a series taking them for granted, they're going to steal points from you. And I think that's kind of exactly what happened Friday night. I, I think Toronto kind of walked in there and, and Toronto dominated the first, like it looked like Ottawa hadn't played in 310 days. And yeah. after the first period, they pretty much said, that's enough. We like, we got this under wraps and Ottawa came out flying in the second, took the game to them for the last 40 and, um, you know, dominated. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a trend, especially to start the year where it's like, Teams come in, they go, oh, this is the seventh place team. We'll take some easy points here. And, and Ottawa really shocks them. And it's not till game two, three, or four where they really go, okay, we got to clamp down just to get splits here, you know? And well, um, Ottawa again, is definitely more ahead, physical than they were last year. So with the offensive punch that they've added this year, the offensive additions, plus the physicality that they have this season, they're going to be a tough team to beat because not only can they score on you, they can also, you know, hit you into the boards and make sure that you feel it for a while. They're a strong physical team. So we, I think we saw that against Toronto, a team like Toronto who was, who's trying to be more physical, you know, bringing a guy like Wayne Simmons as an example to be bring more physicality to the team. Um, but you look in that second period in game one for Ottawa, uh, where Ottawa scored a bulk, the bulk of their goals in game number one. All those goals essentially came from in front of the net because Toronto was not clearing the, the Ottawa Sander forwards uh, from in front of the net. So for Toronto purposes, uh, for this conversation, they need to learn how to be more physical. Now for Ottawa, they're built to play any style of game. They can play physical, they can play speed, they can play skill. So uh, I really, like I said, I'll say it again, I am a big fan of this offensive corpse. And, uh, you know, I think... Um, of course, uh, after a long layover, you're going to have some bumps like game two. That was not the prettiest game. But then you have a guy like Matt Murray who can steal you some games, and he almost did. So this team is much improved. And uh, regardless if we win or lose, like you said, we're in a tough division and a lot of good teams. Uh, the, ga- the team that we're going to be watching every night will be at least entertaining to watch. Yeah, it should be. And, I mean, I think game two was um... – uh, you know, it wasn't surprising. I don't think the outcome did. They got absolutely dominated in shot quality and shot quantity. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the quality was much closer. I'll give them credit for that. You know, they expect the expected goals, uh, were about 40% to 60%. So that's not that bad by any means. Um, um, you know, and Matt Murray, uh, they, Matt Murray came up big in game number two, especially yes. uh, in that second period. First period was, I'd say, was even ish. Ottawa had some chances generating some offensive chances in that first period. Uh, but the penalties killed them, killed their momentum. And then the second period, the Leafs took over. Matt Murray had to make uh, multiple huge stops. And, uh, you know, uh, he's he's impressed me so far. I won't lie to you. He's He's been playing very well. Absolutely. And I think with game two there, it's, um, you know, you look at it and go, okay, that was an ugly one. But at the end of the day, they were in it 3-2. A lot of that was because of Murray, you know, making some huge stops. Um, a lot of that was just... You know, Toronto, there, there was in another game, Toronto maybe buries five, you know, and that happens. But they were in that game all the way to the end. And you go, you know what? That's not that bad considering um, I would argue that the, the first back-to-back you play in 310 days is way harder than the first game you play. And I don't just say that because it happened here to Ottawa. You see in the World Juniors this year, you know, Canada had all the time off in the summer, looked amazing in the first game, came out in the yeah. second game and played a team in Slovakia, which I would argue was just as bad, if not worse, than Germany. Um, and they really struggled, you know, after putting whatever they put up on Germany in double digits, they put yeah. up two goals on Slovakia and struggle against them. Right. So, um, cool. you know, I think it's fair to say that uh, the, the Saturday game was 
they were in tough no matter what because they 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 were playing their first back to back and and so was Toronto to be fair but Toronto also played in the bubble right so it's a little bit different and they played in the and bubble and they played yeah they've had a lot more experience they, yeah they played now. Wednesday right like they, they've had some more time to get their legs underneath them and that's fine you know I, I really thought as you said uh uh Murray has looked great um you know he's been one of the standouts in this early year um I thought that uh, I was surprised uh, Hoberg didn't get a start. Um, I would assume he'll probably get the the one, the, the, the middle start in Winnipeg this yeah. week. Yeah, um, for sure. He will. Just to get him, you know, going as well. I was surprised he didn't start on the back-to-back, but uh, it appeared to be the right choice. You know, I hope they don't do that too often with Murray, not because. Well, I think in this um, scenario, I think in this the, scenario, it's because of how long Murray has gone without playing, and they want to give him some ice time to just get like right into like midseason form. If that makes sense, and I think he's already there. He looked really good, uh, but yeah, I don't think DJ Smith is uh, you know a type of coach to start his starting goalie on back to back nights aggressively unless like they're making a push for the playoffs. So, like you said, and I'll say it here, uh, I fully expect on back to backs moving forward for uh, Hoggy to take over. Yeah, exactly. And just even sometimes not if Murray needs a break because, you know, exactly. Of um, course, yeah. yeah, as we get deeper into the year, um, it'll be good to have his legs underneath him. But there will be getting a point where he's going to want a bit of a break, too, just because of how freaking condensed the schedule is. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. There'll be lots of opportunity, I think, for Hogwarts to step up and show what he's made of as well. So I would assume he'll get at least one of the games in Winnipeg this week, if I had to guess, and I'll be excited to watch that. But I, I think it's definitely say uh, fair to say that uh, Murray has been the standout player probably of the Sen season so far. And um, I don't even think it's really close. I, I think just, especially compared to expectations, but um, there's been some other guys that have really impressed me as well. Um, Thomas Shabbat has been absolutely buzzing. Uh, yeah. If you ask me in the first two games, um, him and <laughs> funny enough, him and Nikita Zaitsev has been the best best pair in the league uh, for expected goals through the first four days of the season, which super small sample size. Don't get me wrong. You know, don't put a ton of faith into that, but um, that just shows how, how great um, uh, Shabbat has been and just how, you know, uh, it looks so far how serviceable Zaitsev has been. But, uh, you know, with, with Zaitsev, I, I wouldn't really expect that to hold up, but um, if no, I don't he think is, so either. If he can even just be somewhat okay on that top pair with Shabbat, that is such a massive step up from what we've seen. And and that would be honestly amazing. I'm not expecting it, but if it could happen, I can't express how big that would be for this team. I was giving uh, Nikita Zaitsev a lot of flack uh, before the season started. Uh, when I went on Brandon Mackey's internal budget podcast, uh, I said it, the same thing that I said in my Sense Defenseman preview on my channel, Sense Talk on YouTube, where I said that the Sanders should trade Nikita Zaitsev. Uh, I still hold that belief his cap hits too hard, uh, but I still, in that video, I did also say that uh, he's definitely a third-pairing defenseman in the NHL. But if he could keep up the pace he's doing right now with Tom Shabbat and, uh, you know, he looked good, to be honest, in those two games against Toronto. I didn't see anything wrong with this game. Uh, so far, so good. And hopefully he can keep it up. Uh, you know, I, listen, you're not going to be able to move that contract easily. So it's more likely he's staying. So if you can do if you can play good hockey uh, with that contract, that's much more ideal than what we got last year. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the most likely thing if they move off of Zaitsev contract is he actually goes back to Russia and. I don't see that happening, you know, just with how big of a cap, you know, how much he's being paid right now. And, and the fact that Ottawa doesn't seem to want to not give him a big role, you know, the only way I can see that happening is if um, coming a year, a couple of years, he's playing third pairs, getting scratched and he goes, you know what, the, the money I can probably make it in Russia and leaves there. And, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I, I, I can't tell you, but that, that's, I think 
more likely than a trade scenario just because I don't know who's going to take him. Like, it's an yeah, ugly contract. Sure. But he, yeah, no kidding, especially with a condensed cap and, and you know, uh, teams struggling with money. So um, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, uh, another guy that's really impressed me so far is Drake Batherson. Uh, he, looks, him, yeah. he looks really good. And, um, you know, he was one he, he came up for different times last year. And, um, you know, when he first came up in the NHL, he was atrocious. There's no other way to put it. He was brutal but uh you know he came up again at the end of last year and looked better and this year he looks legit he looks ready to go and and i'm excited to see what he can do because um he's one of those guys where um you know obviously stutzel's getting a lot of the love and kachuk and rightfully so but drake batherson if he becomes a legitimate top line winger for this team that helps them out so much because they they desperately lack another just big talent maker up front and he could be that yeah, uh, Drake Batherson, the last two games, you know, he just looks like a different player. Firstly, he looks like he gained at least 15 pounds, which is good. You know, he looks like a much bigger player. Uh, so he can hold he can hold his own out there for sure. Uh, but just his confidence, <clears throat> pardon me, just his confidence with the puck uh, was displayed with that Shabbat goal, the first goal of the season for Ottawa. Just the patience to look for a lane to get that pass off to Shabbat. Now, Shabbat did a great play to get into the open, but it was Batherson that identified that too. So it, it was a clear example that Batherson, in my opinions here this day i think he's ready for the nhl and uh i'm glad that ottawa gave him a top six opportunity and, he, and uh most importantly with that top six opportunity uh drake batherson's making uh the best of it yeah absolutely and you know um i'll, I'll get your thoughts if there's anyone i'm missing here too i think um, nick paul yeah i was just say that there i was gonna like, give uh, one or two more names nick paul's a guy who's looked really impressive in a third line unreal role. man I thought Friday night was the best game I've ever seen him play in the NHL. Like he was just all over the place, giving the least absolute fits in their own end and the defensive end. Um, if he continues to play like this, like I think he's just kind of proving why he probably should have got a, a shot last year or even two years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it, it's better late than never because if we can get this Nick Paul again, it's just huge going forward knowing you have a solid third liner like that. But that's what I'm saying. That third line was banging last night, man, or not even last night, but the first game for sure. This that this Chris Turney, Connor Brown, Nick Paul. It was, it's looking good, man. Like, you know, listen, Ottawa for the last three years have not exactly been on an offensive juggernaut, uh, but they have a top six, which is very nice. Uh, like they have this year, a very good top six. Uh, and then the bottom six isn't terrible either. You know, the fourth line, you can move around. You got Colin White, you got Galchenyuk to put in there uh, with Watson and Paquette and everyone. And then you got the third line, Chris Turney, Connor Brown, but both guys who were in the top six last year and then Nick Paul who has been playing very well. So like like I said in the beginning of this episode, I'm, and I'll, I'll rave about it more. The offensive group has really, really improved. And that's why I think Ottawa will be competitive because their defense, you know, it's got me... Uh, asking some questions definitely need to see more a larger sample size but the offense the third line with connor brown and chris turney it's just good depth it's uh, well-rounded and, and the offense i have no issue with i think they're gonna do well this year yeah i mean if you if the defense ends up being an above average defense this year i i, I don't know what i would do i would need a shoe because like uh <laughs> like unless thomas shabbat just becomes a legitimate top five defenseman and like Christian Willanning gets legitimate time is a top hit. Like it just, it's a bad defense court. There's no way around it. The right side is hideous. Um, I, I've liked Josh Brown's game. Yeah. I was about um, to say Josh Brown's looks, been nice. Can't lie. He looks, he looks like he could fit in this lineup really nice. I really want to see him and Willanning play again uh, together because Shabbat shown that he can play with whoever Willanning has not. So give him a yep. legitimate partner in Josh Brown. And I think that could be a solid second pairing. Um, the, the other guy I want to say, I really liked um, obviously Stutzel scored his first NHL goal. 
I didn't think he was super noticeable at five on five, but I don't think that's an issue because, uh, you know, in a player's first or second game, you don't want them clenching the stick or trying to do too much. And I really didn't think he he did that. I think he just, you know, he made a couple really heads up plays. There was one in the first game where he took the puck out of the blue line and instead of trying to rush it one on four while everyone was line changing, he did a big loop back, went back into the send zone, saw Dadanov on the um, opposite blue line and fired a pass up to him and created a legitimate scoring chance. And, and it's just little things like that that I think he's done really, really well so far. And the rest should come in time. There's been many examples of what you just said with Tim Stutzla. Um, of course, he's not flying out there like he was in the World Juniors, scoring like 10, 10 out of the 14 goal, uh, goals for uh, you know Germany. He was involved, I think, in 10 of the goals for Germany out of their 14 last tournament, which tells you all you need to know about how good Tim Stutzla is. But, you know, obviously this is the NHL, but what's encouraging is at such a young age, uh, especially after a hand injury and, you know, playing some games in the World Junior, the fact that he's not only up to speed with NHL players, but creating plays out there, showing confidence, and then scoring a, one of the nicest first NHL goals in NHL history, I'll say that. Um, it's impressive, and the Sens have somebody very special in Tim Stutzla. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he has a um, – he's look good. Like, uh, just a way to put it, he's not going to – you know, his goal is amazing. Other than that, it's Unreal. not like it's flying off the stat sheet, but uh, he hasn't needed to, and that's perfect. And uh, yeah, the last name uh, – go ahead. What's, sorry. what's most important about Tim Stutzla is just the fact that he has the confidence. And like you said with that example with the, the stretch pass to Dadanov, uh, that's just an example of his confidence in himself to create that play. So if you have the confidence, the goals will come when you have the skill like Stutzla. Absolutely. Like, and I have no, uh, no issue with that. And, you know, he was the first uh, draft eligible or sorry, first 2020 draft player to score a goal in, in this mm-hmm. year. So, um, you know, he's already, you know, just him with one goal in two games is looking, you know, obviously small sample size, but it's more than Lafreniere did and uh, Byfield didn't even make the team. So, which was shocking. I don't think that's his fault, but uh, that's a different yeah. story. Um, the last guy I want to get into about oh, looking yeah. good. Uh, this year, in my opinion, well, other than, you know, Brady Kachuk goes without saying, I don't even think we need to mention that, right? Like he looks just well, as Brady Kachuk goes without saying that he's elite and he's if, the if elite he's leader looking, of the forward group. It goes without saying. Yeah. Yeah. If he's looking bad, there's much more of an issue when, you know, yeah, I mean, by the way, dominant this year, but by the way, if you want me to read out the lines, Brent Wallace just tweeted it out. Do you want me to give you a shout about uh, what it looks like? I sure. I, I think I saw them, but yeah, go ahead. Well, it looks like White still on the fifth line. Uh, the first line will be Brady Kachuk with Josh Norris, Drake Batherson. Second, Stutzla, Stepan Dadanov. Third, Turney with Brown and Paul. The fourth is Paquette with Anisimov and Watson. So it looks like Galchenyuk, White, and Haley may be scratched again. Uh, Shabbat, Gabranson. So Gabranson's back with Shabbat. So that defeats our whole conversation there yeah. about Zaitsev. But that's interesting. Uh, but Willand and Zub are also scratched, it looks like. They're on the fourth pairing. So we'll see. But I wanted to shout that out to you because uh, they just he just tweeted that out. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get into those when we get to the Winnipeg series because I have yeah. some definite thoughts on those, um, and they're not exactly good. Uh, not all <laughs> of it, but uh, the one guy I want to give credit to so far anyways is Derek Stepan. I thought he's been silently probably Ottawa's second best forward, maybe third best forward this year. Uh, he just looked really, really good in a role, and um, you know, I was not a fan of the trade, not because of Stepan, but more because of I didn't really like the asset they had to give up. That being said, what he's brought so far, if he can continue anything like this, um, I think they should be able to flip him for more in a second at the deadline. But again, two game sample, what can you do? But that was just another guy I thought really, really stood out in small ways uh, for me this in the first two games we've seen. 
Well, Derek Stepan is a, a fine player. He's 30 years old. He's had multiple 50-point seasons in the National Hockey League. So, uh, you know, it's, he's he's going to produce. And, like, that, that goal uh, was a game one to make it 5-2, I think. Uh, that was a nice one, a nice play from Jack Batherson. So he has some chemistry with some of the players already. Um, but, you know, even if he doesn't score, what I want him to do is just mentor Stutzla, mentor the young guys. That's what he really was brought in for. Uh, he ha- he's a great leader. Uh, he's well known in the hockey community for being a great leader. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, I didn't, I'm not going to say he was my second or third favorite forward. I'd probably say Brady, Stutzla, uh, Nick Paul, even I, I put ahead of him, but I think he's still, he's had an impressive start still scoring that goal and uh, just getting the puck to Stutzla. Um, I look forward to watching Stepan this season. Uh, I was with you in the same boat where I didn't like the trade when it happened, but then when Ottawa got that trade with Tampa Bay, got that second round pick back, I wasn't as upset, of course. Uh, it made more sense at the time after that Marion Gabrick trade with Tampa Bay. Um, but, you know, Derek Stepan is an NHL veteran. He has a lot of uh, experience to him, and he will bring a solid top six stability uh, to the Sanders for a group. And uh, we've, I think we're already seeing that. And if you rewatch that goal, um, the celebration and this, the way the team surrounded him after his first goal shows how much the team loves him, I think. And uh, that's always a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. I just think that what's impressed me the most uh, is just how much he's dominated play for a team that, you know, frankly got dominated on Saturday night. You know, he's still at 70% expected goals, 60% Corsi four, which uh, again, two game sample really means nothing in terms of long-term, well, but, time, uh, though, right? but yeah, exactly. It's better. It's better having that than not having that. Right. So um, yeah, he, I yeah. thought he played really well through the first two games. Uh, let's get in some guys that uh, haven't looked so good. Um, my first one, and this is the only, I think just stupid, obvious answer to me is uh, Cedric Paquette. I, yeah, very much. We can get this. Like, let's, let's talk about it now. Um, there is no reason that Colin White should be being scratched when Cedric Paquette is playing normal line in this in this lineup. And the, the, the biggest thing that uh, frustrates me with this is that if it was just Cedric Paquette, I'd be okay with it. But his role is so much more useless when Austin Watson is also in the lineup. Austin Watson is doing everything that you want Cedric Paquette to do. He's just doing it slightly better. So it it just makes him so much more redundant than he already is. I would argue you probably don't need either of the guys in the lineup, but if you really want one of them, you definitely do not need the second one. And Cedric Paquette has been a freaking disaster this year. I would, I would argue this though. I agree with you with Cedric Paquette. Terrible first first uh, impression with the Sens fans. Back-to-back terrible penalties in both games. You know, Not a good display of discipline by Cedric Paquette. And I, I'm sure DJ Smith will speak to him about that because those are costly penalties that one resulted in a goal. But uh, what I do want to say is if you look at Austin Watson, um, every team needs a guy like Austin Watson. The guy brings the energy. He brings it He brings it every single night. So, of course, he's not the most skilled player on the team. But I... I I would pencil him pencil him in when healthy every single game to be starting for the Ottawa Senators from the right wing. Because let's say Ottawa's down 3-1, there's nine minutes left. Uh, Brady Kachuk is a te- another type of guy that can do this, but who's going to bring the energy? A guy like an Austin Watson, a guy like a Brady Kachuk, somebody that's going to get in the dirty areas and get something going for the boys. So, uh, you know, Cedric Paquette's not doing that, but at least Austin Watson's filling his role in doing that. Uh, Paquette, 
I would love to see Colin White at least get an option there. Uh, Galchenyuk even, but definitely Colin White. I think it's a farce that he's not even starting on this team. You just signed him to a six-year, $4.25 million deal, and uh, he's not starting. Uh, listen, if you don't want Colin White to be a center, I understand that, but at least give him a wing position. He's good. he's too good to be on the bench on on a team like Ottawa, and it's uh, it's puzzling to be honest. It makes no sense. Absolutely, and the one thing I'd say on Austin Watson is I, I get he's a grit guy, energy or whatever. There's so many momentum changes in a game that I don't know how much I can put into you know one hit or one spark, and sometimes it'll definitely do something. But he's also my biggest issue with Watson is that that kind of player is fine if he can you know float at five on five and so far this year he's done fine but last year he was just like a net negative in everything so so badly like he was a well re- below replacement and um yeah like obviously getting a spark from your sure. from your guys is fine but yeah. at some point you need to also be playing the other nine minutes or whatever that you're on the ice for effectively and that's where my biggest concern with Watson comes from um, not necessarily from the two games we've seen this year, but from the data we have in the past. So we'll see how it goes. But, you know, well, if it's if it's one of the games where it's like you're playing a chippy team or whatever, sure, maybe having Austin Watson isn't the worst thing. Against a Toronto where they run four lines deep and, and it's a lot of depth. I know they have Wayne Simmons or guys like that now. But honestly, like Austin Watson almost got in a fight with Wayne, Wayne Simmons when Ottawa was up three on Friday night. That's not yeah. the time, in my opinion, that he needs to be fighting. You know, like I, I get sometimes you just got. No, you don't want to give them an energy, goal, of course. So. Exactly. If it's going to go one way, it's got to go the other way, and that's kind of that's kind of my concern, I would say. But what I will say is, Ottawa clearly wants to be bigger. They clearly want to be more physical. That's why they brought in a guy like Josh Brown. You know, they want to be more physical. And uh, well, you definitely have a good point. Um, you know, you want a guy on every single line to be able to keep, to keep up with the pace and to actually. Uh, bring value to the lineup. I think while Austin Watson analytically isn't a darling, you know, he, he's not, he's not an analytical darling at all. I think, you know, you know, Pierre Dorian and the Senators organization loves uh, players with character and uh, Austin Watson will bring the energy. And I think while Ottawa, we know Ottawa's coaching makes some decisions that we raise our eyebrows about, but I, I don't think anyone should raise eyebrows if they see Austin Watson in every game because you know, they brought him in here. He's on a multi-year deal, and uh, he's probably going to only play about five to nine minutes a night on average. And uh, those minutes, I agree, can't be with fights when you're up by a couple of goals. I don't want you to fight either. But if you're down a couple, get him out there, get some energy going. You know what I mean? And I think that's what Ottawa sees in a guy like uh, an Austin Watson. But that fourth line, I they need to revamp it. They need to get Colin White in there. It's some, yeah. somewhere on there. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I, I mean, I go back and forth because, like, I definitely think, you know, I, I mean, I just assume Watson will play most games, you know. Uh, yeah. I don't think sitting any bottom six guy for a game or two is that bad. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I go back and forth because it's funny that, you, you know, mentioned Josh Brown. That's the exact type of player that, Obviously, I don't know exactly who would be on forward, but I'd love to see on forward where it's like he does play a physical game, but he can also move the puck and stuff like that. And that's why, you know, when we cite uh, Austin Watson as a great guy or not a great, you know, a great uh, player for the team, it's like, I don't know. But um, the other part of me is I don't know when White draws in this lineup. What's he expected to do with Austin Watson and Cedric Paquette on his wings? I you know, like, yeah, yeah. like I, I just he's not that type of player. Um, you know, if you want your fourth line to be that checking role, that, I don't agree with it, but whatever, that's fine. But uh, Colin White isn't that type of player. You know, I would much rather see Colin White's line in the third center spot, put Chris Tierney down there because I think Chris Tierney is a better fit. And and don't get me wrong, I've liked Chris Tierney with um, 
Connor Brown and Nick Paul. But I think Nick Paul, Colin White, Connor Brown could be a solid line. And Tierney could actually help what they're trying to do on that fourth line as well. And I just, I'm confused as to what uh, is expected from Colin White because, you know, it really feels yeah. like, I said this on my last podcast, but it's it feels like they're going to put him in a position to fail. And when he fails, go, well, he failed. What do you want us to do? There's nothing we can do about it, right? And I just don't think that's the appropriate way to handle any player, but especially not one that you have on a massive contract. Well, it's just unfortunate because Colin White, he's a good player. He's not, you know, Sidney Crosby, but he's definitely an NHL player and he's definitely deserving of a, a spot on this top four, in the top four, you know, in the, the four line somewhere. Now, what's unfortunate is that third line has been amazing. So I'm very hesitant to break it up, but I do agree with you that Colin White should be somewhere in this lineup, preferably not on the fourth line, but I don't know where you put him. I think once Tim Stutzla, you know, transitions to the center game, then you'll probably see Colin White on the wing. I, they don't view him as a center, in my opinion, anymore uh, on this team. If they want, in my opinion, if you want to give him the minutes that he needs uh, and the opportunities that he needs, he won't be a center for those opportunities because there's, frankly, just better people ahead of him for those top six positions, even top nine, frankly. So, uh, I, I view more moving forward as a winger, and I think I'm comfortable with that. I think he'd be a good winger. Uh, you know what I mean? I wonder what you think about that, but I just don't think the way things are going right now and the way the um, with Tip Stutzla, with Stepan, and of course you got Norris and Brown, etc. I don't know where White really slots in as a center in this organization anymore, unless it's in the bottom six. I, I don't think it would be that bad if he's a bottom six center. You know, I, I think his role is a third line center or a second slash third line winger. I wouldn't be opposed to um, him being a guy who slides back between wing and center. You know, we saw Pajot yeah. do it a little bit while he was here. And I really, I think that helps a guy because, you know, it, it makes him more flexible. And it's why it, it confuses me that he's not given more of a chance at a wing spot either, because, you know, as he said, I wouldn't mind seeing him at wing at all. I think if, if he's a winger, he's either going to play on your third line pretty effectively, or he can be even slide up to your top six. I think if you really needed him on the wing, you know, probably that's not his ideal full-time spot going forward but you know if you run it say Drake Batherson gets hurt or whatever he'll take it over what he's getting right now I'll tell you that. exactly <laughs> and you know if someone gets hurt in the top six you know Drake Batherson goes down for three or four games Colin White I think could slide up there and I don't think he's gonna be Drake Batherson but he can be at least part of what Drake Batherson brought and you know bring the same kind of energy and and some of the skill as well and I don't think that's a bad thing so I'm just I'm really confused on how he he doesn't crack this lineup you know there's no way he's not one of the top 12 forwards i would say at worst he is probably the eighth best forward in this lineup ninth maybe but like he's definitely better than Paquette. he's definitely better than watson i get watson brings something different but still i would say he's better yes, than Tierney. He is. he is better than watson 100 right i would say he's better than Tierney. I would say him and Nick Paul are pretty close. Nick Paul's looked really, really good this year, but I think over the long span, you could argue, but like that, that's just the plan. I don't want to see Nick Paul scratched either, but he's way better than Artem Anisimov. I'm sorry, but yeah. like, you know, um, so it's, just, it, it's, it's crazy. He should be in the lineup. Yes, exactly. Right. And the fact that he's not is insane. And what really just makes me mad is, um, you know, uh, you can't preach accountability and wanting to earn you. You need to earn it in your spot in the lineup. Right. But then keep Cedric Paquette in that. That is really, even if white's not, if it's Galchenyuk coming in for Paquette today, I'm at least happy because yeah, like, he's, I don't, been a, he's been a disaster. Like, I, I, like yeah, it's, he's, been, he's been a disaster. That's a good word. Like, I don't want to make him a whipping boy or anything, but he like, he's been the, the most noticeably bad player I've seen since like 
Cody Cece probably like he's been absolutely shelled at five on five. The face off penalty he took to put them down five on three on Saturday was just, you can't, <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't do that. Like anyone yeah. knows you can't do that. So I, I don't know. Um, there's one other guy that uh, I think it's fair to say he hasn't uh, shown a ton right now. And that's Josh Norris. Um, I know I saw a couple of people on Twitter saying that they would consider sending him down. I'm not at that point yet. I want to see him get, um, eight to 10 more games in. And then by that point, if he's still struggling, maybe, uh, sending him down to the AHLs or even just trying to send him down in the lineup and play second or third line might be better. But, uh, Josh Norris, I think he had a couple really good plays, but his overall first couple games this year, uh, weren't the strongest we've ever seen. That's for sure. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that Derek Lee, who is a member of Senstock, actually is an NHL correspondent. Uh, he's he's one of the people that said that, and I had a conversation with him, and I, I would disagree with that. I, I think that Josh Norris, you know, of course, he missed that wide open net uh, on Saturday night with the versus the Leafs, and he hasn't, you know, he's he's a rookie, so I'd still give him the minutes. I would keep the line together for at least a few more games because it's only two games. It's on a back to back, and he hasn't played in three hundred ten days, so. Uh, you know, it's, it's his, this is his first real shot in a legitimate top six position in the NHL, and uh, uh, he needs we need to have a much longer leash than two games. I give him at least the next four or five, and then then see what you got. And if he doesn't do well in the next couple of games, then shuffle it around. Maybe give him new line mates, but still give him same opportunities. Uh, but after like six, seven games, if he's still not producing or just not adjusted, then you'll need to examine maybe moving him down or sending him to Belleville or taxi squad or whatever you want to do. Yeah. And it's not even, I don't even know if producing is the issue. It's just as long as he's not getting shelled, like he is right now, you know, the, the first two games at five on five, he had, uh, when he was out, the Ottawa centers uh, had six shot attempts when he was out defensively, they had faced 27 against that's an 18% Corsi four percentage, um, you know, expected goals, 37%. And, and what's a little scary is that his line mates were nowhere near as bad, you know um, you know, they didn't get shelled near as bad, but, I definitely agree with you that I think you should give him four to five more games in this top center slot. If he's still absolutely struggling, move him down to the second, third line. And if after five more games of that, he's still struggling, then yeah, you see where you go. See, see if the AHL might be a better way place. But um, I, I think if you just let him get adjusted, I think that the, the um, results will go up because he's not that bad of a player. He just, and um, you know, you can see it while watching him. Like he had an excellent back check the other night, uh, Friday night. It was, uh, they got caught on a long change in the second period and he just hustled his ass back. And, and I, I can't even remember who the forward was, but he caught up to him right away, took the puck away and, and stopped a scoring chance. And it's, it's, it's little things like that, where it's like, you can definitely see that there's a very skilled player in there. He just needs to relax a bit and let it come out. I'm glad you brought that example up because uh, I speak about this for Chris Milan and I'll say it for um, Josh Norris. If you're a great skater, everything else will come. That's hockey. So the most important element of your game is skating. He's a great skater. He's a great stride. And that back check is a clear example of that. So if he's a good skater, everything else will come. So that's why I'm not worried about him. You know, uh, the, the biggest issue with prospects usually is their skating. So if you're a flawless skater, you can learn everything much more easily than being a good skater and keeping up with the pace in NHL. So he's keeping up the pace for the most part. And uh, that's what's important in my opinion, because if you can at least skate with the team uh, that you're competing with and the players are competing with, especially as a rookie, everything else will come as time develops. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I think the last guy I would say in the certainly disappointing category for me uh, over the first two games has been Evgeny Dadanov. 
Um, he just looks like he's fighting the puck out there. You know, I don't think he's playing all that bad. It's just, uh, he's just, you know, he's got to relax again. I think, I think if he, if he nets one, uh, things will come to him because, you know, we saw in the second game, it looked like it was a great save by Campbell to get over, but Dadunov had the entire upper half of the net and he was wide open in front and just couldn't bury it. And, and there's just been a couple of times where the pucks just bounced over his stick or he's forcing a pass or whatever. And, and he's definitely been a, it was definitely a disappointing first two games, but you know, again, not a guy I'm, I'm worried about by any means. It's just, you know, if we're looking at these two games in a vacuum, definitely not his best that he's ever had. Well, Getty Dadanov, a uh, couple things like, like everyone else on this team, he's coming off 310 days without playing hockey, new team, new systems. It makes sense that he's not, you know, out there sniping the puck or anything, but you, I would blame part that partially on the Sens uh, coaching staff, because of course it still takes time for him to de- get into the game system and everything, but his cream of the crop, I guess, would be the power play. He's a power play specialist and the power play versus personally in my opinion is way too stagnant they're not moving around they're not letting it get down and off get creative with the puck they're keeping him on the you know right in front of the crease uh, for a weird one-time shot it's a terrible formation for the play uh, for the power play so if you want to see dad enough start to produce get dad enough the puck and let him start moving around the, the offensive zone on the power play they're they're not moving around and that's how dad enough uh creates plays he needs to move around the, they need to move around and uh I think once the power play starts getting going and Dadanov, like I'd expect some point against Winnipeg, he probably will get some, get a point or something because I'm, I'm sure you know this, but uh, going into a different system, it's always difficult, especially without preseason. That's why preseason is so important for like free agent additions because they at least get to see the, the system and how it works. But Dadanov is, is learning on the fly right now. So for Ottawa, for coaching, for the coaching staff, you're message for them get that power play moving you know get Dadanov uh, the puck so he can create some plays he's a good shot but he's a better passer so let him utilize his passing abilities everything else will come if you let him uh, utilize his passing abilities yeah I mean I, I didn't mind the, the the power play I think um it would be nice to see all guys moving a little more I thought Batherson and you know the it was kind of obvious that you know one of Shabbat or Batherson would take the puck and be the the prime mover in it um you know, I think he can be a good trigger man. He scored 28, 28, and 25 over the past three years. Um, um, but I think he should be, if you're going to make him the trigger man, move him back a little bit. Don't have him. That's right what I'm saying. Crease. He's just too close. He's too close yeah. to the line. Like, you're giving him him no in the room. slot, and then he can use both. He can be a trigger man, or he can move the puck, uh, um, you know, cross ice, down low, wherever you need it, really. And, um, yeah, I, I think he'll come and you know, even just a five on five. I thought he was disappointing just in terms of what I wanted to see. But again, I saw some people saying like, oh, this guy was a horrible pickup. No, it's it's been six periods of hockey way, way too early to make any judgment like that. Uh, it'll come. And I think, you know, just seeing how skilled of a player he can be, we know it's going to come. It's just going to take a couple games to get used to it. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. And I think uh, while we, I guess we should start talking about Winnipeg now, but, you know, I think I think we'll see a better Better sense team with with rest, of course, uh, tomorrow night against Winnipeg. Yeah, so uh, we'll we'll get into that series. Um, you know, now uh, it's it should be good. Uh, I think this is the best team the the best team Ottawa has chance to really take points off, in my opinion. Um, I'm low on Winnipeg just compared to maybe other people because I think Hellebuck had such a good year last year that if he regresses at all, they're going to be in a lot of trouble because they really didn't upgrade their defense at all. They added Dylan DeMello at the deadline and re-signed him. But other than that, they've just hoped that 
a couple rookies might come in and they haven't even given those rookies playing time. So uh, I think this is a really good opportunity for Ottawa to, you know, come out, surprise them and maybe take two games out of the three, um, you know, here uh, against the Winnipeg team, especially because there will be no back-to-backs. I don't believe in this. They, they play Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, um, yeah. in this series. So um, we got the lineups. Obviously you read them out earlier from uh, Bruce uh, or sorry, uh, uh, Brent Brent Wallace. Wallace. Um, um, I, the, the, the one thing, uh, with the calm white thing is Willannon being scratched. I hate that. I, I think Willannon is the second best defenseman. I don't want to just bring this up every single episode, but the fact that he's not in the top six blows my mind. Well, you know, of course we need to see the lineups tomorrow. You know, uh, this could just be pure speculation, but this is what the lines are today. Right. And right now it does look like Willannon will be scratched. And I agree with you. He's definitely the second best defenseman on the team. And, you know, people are giving him way, way too much criticism. People are forgetting he hasn't played in almost two years, right? He hasn't played a hockey game in almost two years. So what do you expect him to do? Is this is the national hockey league. You expect him to, to be skating out there like a figure skater. Of course, he's going to have some issues. He's coming off a major injury. He hasn't played in two years almost. And, uh, like everyone's getting used to the game. Like, of course he's going to have issues. So put him back in the the lineup. It's ridiculous that this is even a conversation in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way that um, he's worse than Riley, who I don't even hate. I think he's a fine third pair defenseman, but he's just that. Yeah, but, and yeah, Coburn who, better than Riley. Exactly. And Coburn, who, I don't know. I, I get he brings something different. But again, when you have good Branson and Zaitsev and Josh Brown in your lineup, I really don't think you need Coburn on the left side as well. Like that it's, Coburn um, passed to Watson though. Come on. Now. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly. The, the absolute dynamic duo hooking it up for a, I think that might've been, <laughs> ended up being a game winner on Friday, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's a lot re- really redundant to have him in the lineup. Um, we'll see if it changes at all, as you said, and if it changed from game to game, I'm also surprised Galchenyuk hasn't drawn in here yet. Um, Me too. I don't think, you know, he's not someone that I absolutely need to see in the lineup, but I think if you want to try and get some of your more skilled players, which I would assume they see Galchenyuk as, he should probably be getting a game sooner than later. So um, I don't know. I was if, if they would have played like they played Friday again on Saturday, I could see the argument for not changing the lineup at all, but I really didn't think they played all that well on Saturday. You know, again, not all to their fault. Some of that was just the first back-to-back and everything like that, but I don't really see the the thought process be, be, between keeping Anisimov, Paquette, and uh, Coburn in this lineup. Yeah, it's, it's you know, a guy like Chenyuk did not come here to sit in the, the press box. He's a former third overall selection, uh, former 30-goal scorer. And, of course, he's not, you know, the same player that like he was when he was with the Montreal Canadiens, but he still has skill. He has some to give. And um, of course I'd rather call him white over him or Paquette, but listen, go needs to get in the lineup here. Um, and if you're going to pick between him and Paquette, let's just say Colin white's out of the question. You're going to pick between him and Paquette. I'm picking Galchenyuk uh, nine out of 10 times. So yeah, let's get too. him. An op- let's get him an opportunity. Let's see what he can give. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think, you know, um, would, would a fourth line of Gilchenyuk, White, Watson be all that bad? Or Gilchenyuk, Tierney, Watson, and, and White sides up the third line or whatever? I don't I think, think it would be, you know? Like, I, I think it, it would be interesting, but there's worse fourth lines to have, I think, than that. Well, I think the main reason we haven't seen Gilchenyuk much is uh, DJ Smith is very concerned about his defensive abilities. And on a fourth line, you can't be a defensive liability, right? We all know that. So I think that's the primary reason why... Um, you know, we haven't seen Gochenyuk. I think he was suited for that third line role, but Nick Paul 
is taking that he's fighting for that position and he's so far very much winning that battle so where does Gilchenik slot in I don't know maybe if somebody in the top six doesn't do well gets injured maybe he'll slot in there I don't know but really Gilchenik he can bring offense to the fourth line I would if he was on the fourth line I wouldn't like go crazy uh about it but at the end of the day he's an offensive guy and not the best offensive player so I think that's what's holding him back because there's not really an ideal spot for him in the lineup right now I guess that would really maximize his abilities yeah but I also don't think that your third I mean fourth line needs to be defensive I, I know DJ Smith thinks like that so that's how it's gonna work but I well, mean that's, again that's we, what I'm saying I think yeah, that's yeah. why but yeah. like again it's not like Watson's good defensively either Watson's bad offensively so people just assume he's good defensively he's just but not very really good at character either. So yeah, that, exactly. Right. But I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, it's just one of those things where I, I think you're definitely, you, you definitely hit the nail on the head where Galchenyuk was slotted into that third line and uh, Nick Paul might've been the fourth line slot, honestly, if that was the case, but Nick Paul has played so well, that he's taken it over that, you know, he just can't slide into that third line. And um, I want to keep Nick Paul in the lineup. I, I just, uh, I, I feel like there's gotta be a better way to get some guys in the lineup um, while also, not, you know, not, not sacrificing what you want your quote unquote identity to be, you know, like I get Galchenyuk's not very good on uh, in his own end. Like that, that makes total sense to me, but at the same time, it's like, what has Paquette shown you in his own end this year that, you know, Galchenyuk can't do because for as bad as he, he is, and, you know, don't get me wrong. He is not good in his own end. Um, I feel like, you know, last year people, thought he was just this horrible player in his own end. He wasn't good, but he was nowhere near as bad as the previous two years. So if you put him out there and say, just, you know, play smart, play good hockey, don't don't try and do too much and just chip the puck out, I'd at least want to see what he could do for a game or two, you know? Like, I don't know. It'll, oh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see when he finally does slide in the lineup where he goes because um, – Again, like I, it might be Nick Paul coming out for a game to give him a shot because I, I really don't see, uh, unfortunately, DJ Smith going away from this fourth line. And I think that's a detriment to the team. Well, here's the thing. Obviously, I'll say it again, Colin White over Paquette any day. But Paquette, if he's in the lineup tomorrow, I have some questions to ask because if you're going to scratch Colin White, you're going to scratch these people because they need to earn it, quote unquote. Why the hell is Paquette still in the lineup? He's not a. It's not like he's a prospect and you need to give him another chance. That's back-to-back games with stupid, undisciplined penalties. One led to a goal. The other one really killed the Sanders' momentum in the whole game until Tim Stutzler's goal. So, yeah, get another guy an opportunity there. Paquette has shown, in my opinion, that he needs to be um, benched a bit to, to wake him up kind of and tell him this is the NHL. You can't make stupid plays like that. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. Um, Tim Stutz's goal, who Colin White had an assist on, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that, where it's like, um, you know, you can't preach earning it and you need to earn a spot in this lineup, but then keep putting out uh, Cedric Paquette after the game he's had, you know, like I, yeah. I just, it's, it, and, but it's one of those things where, you know, it, it's, it's why it's not about earning it in the lineup. It's just a narrative that people say, so they don't have to play their young guys. And uh it's unfortunate, but um, it is what it is, you know, looking forward to this Winnipeg series. I, I am excited that they're keeping the top six together. At least, you know, I said, I want to yeah. see Norris get another chance and he looks like right now he's going to get Kachuk Norris Batherson. Um, you know, I didn't think they were 
I thought Batherson and Kinchuk looked really good. I didn't think Norris looked amazing, but I'm really curious to see if this line can find some more chemistry. And then uh, Stutzel Stepan and Dadanov. Again, I like Stepan's game, but Stutzel was not trying to do too much and, and Dadanov's game should come. So I'm glad yeah. that they are keeping this top six together because there is some legitimate potential, I think. Yeah, and I think, like I said, by many examples in this episode, I'll say it again, way too early to really make major changes. Uh, let's see what happens after this series against Winnipeg. But right now, let's just keep it and see what we got and then move forward uh, and make the adjustments that are needed uh, once we see uh, the need for an adjustment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think the key to this series against Winnipeg is going to be? I, I think if there was one thing I had to focus on if I was Ottawa, it would be taking advantage of that defense score. Um, yeah. I think it is probably one of, if not the weakest in the league, um, you know, it's bottom five, I think for sure. It's right there with Ottawa's if I'm being honest, but Winnipeg doesn't have anyone like a Thomas Shabbat on it, which is a huge difference. So, um, you know, I, I like Josh Morrissey, but he struggled last year. I want to see more out of Sammy Niku, but uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, their defense core just isn't very strong right now. And, and I think, that is going to be something that if Ottawa can take advantage of and, you know, get that puck moving against the defense core and get Hellebuck moving, that's where they might see some success this uh, this three-game stretch here. Well, I can't tell you that I've watched many Winnipeg games this year, but what I will say is if their defense is, you know, suspect, top, bottom five, uh, you would definitely have to anticipate a hard-checking forward group in the neutral zone. So for Ottawa, in my opinion, the key for the series would have to be neutral, uh, not neutral, offensive zone entries. Uh, get into that offensive zone, and with that d- defense, you should be able to penetrate through and get some goals or some good opportunities on Hellebuck or whoever's starting in that. So it really comes down to offensive uh, zone entries, which Ottawa struggles with. Uh, they always do the stupid drop back pass, stuff like that. So I hate that stuff. You know, just, just get into the zone, create a play, set it up to the point, whatever you want to do. But like I said, the team, the, the Winnipeg Jets are definitely going to be a hard four checking team, definitely uh, clogging the neutral zone. Uh, so you're not going to really be able to get some stretch passes going. So I think if Ottawa wants to succeed, they're really going to need to get those offensive, uh, you know, zone entries, and they're going to be able to, they're going to need to be able to hold the puck in their own zone and cycle it. Because that offensive forward group in Winnipeg is very good, and they can four check and they can steal the puck from you and get some abilities uh, the other way right away. So. You got to first the offensive abilities and uh, just put the puck on that, of course, like you said, and get Hellebuck moving too. Yeah, uh, their top six in Winnipeg is really, really good. You know, uh, I think they've underperformed at times during the years, but uh, top six of Ehler, Shifley, Wheeler, Kyle Connor, Paul Statsny, and Patrick Line is. Uh, uh, not one you really want to mess with, you know, that's a, no. that's a lot of first line players right there. And um, <laughs> no. so it'll be really interesting, I think, too, to see how Ottawa matches up against this. You know, they're not going to have last they're not going to have last change at all, which is also a different, you know, adjustment, I think, in terms of if you play a team three to four times in a row or even two times in a row in the regular season, um, one night you're going to have last change. The other night you're not, um, you know, now it's whoever the home team is for three games in a row is just going to have last change all the time. So um, that's really interesting that I'm, I'm curious to see if it'll have an effect, but with Ottawa, um, you know, if they line match their top six, I'm going to be curious to see, can Kachuk, Norris and Batherson go up against the Ehler, Shifley, Wheeler line. And, you know, same with uh, Stepan, Dadanov and Stutzla. Uh, Patrick Line looked really, really good in the debut. I think he had two goals and an assist, um, you know, good. and so he's a guy who, if he's hot, he is one tough, son of a bitch to slow down you know like um mm-hmm. and so it's gonna be interesting to see what the top six can do to try and neutralize um because uh i would say definitely the strength of this winnipeg team is the skill in the the, the first six forwards there for sure and like i said they're gonna 
like uh, like with what Guy Boucher did, the one three one. I'm not saying Winnipeg's could be doing a one three one, but if you see if you're gonna watch that game, and what I noticed last year watching Winnipeg uh, when they played Ottawa, they really clog up the neutral zone. You're gonna have to enter the zone offensively with an offensive chance. You know, you can't just pass the puck up and hope or dump it in because Winnipeg, they're gonna get the puck before you. They're a big team too. So Ottawa struggles with their offensive zone entries, but against this Winnipeg team. They're really going to need to improve it because, like I said, and I'll say it again, they're tough. They're very tough to beat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're going to be a hard out. I think, you know, I have them sixth in this division. But as I said, I think it's six very close to playoff teams. So um, just like any team that I think Ottawa's going to face this year, it's going to be a tough out. Um, yeah. Um, you know, let, let's wrap it up there. I think that was a good solid 50 minutes or so of talk. Um, thought we really hit on the big points from this weekend. And, you know, oh, yeah. Um, Thank you so much for joining me. So pl- plug your stuff, uh, plug your stuff and your work. Where can people find you and you know everything you do? I appreciate once again, Alex, for coming on the show. It's been a long time coming, and we're gonna have to get you on Sense Talk or uh, the Best Seven Podcast sometime to talk some Sense Hockey. Uh, but thanks again for having me on. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Sense Talk underscore. Uh, I tweet there plenty. Um, you can go on YouTube, Sense Talk. Just look it up. You'll find me. Uh, the number one news source for auto standard stuff on YouTube is sense talk. So I greatly appreciate you guys checking that out. I have game, game recaps after every single sense game, plus weekly updates, sense news alerts, everything. So if you want your sense news on a video platform, that's where you can find it. Sense talk on YouTube, sense talk.ca. Uh, it's my website, but besides that, uh, thank you, Alex, for having me on uh, much appreciated. And like I said, I'll say it again. We definitely have to get you on my show sometime soon. Yeah, I'd absolutely love to. And my pleasure having you on. It was great talk. And, um, you know, I'll have to have you on again later in the year as there's more stuff to uh, discuss. Sounds good, buddy. Huge thanks to Brandon from Sens Talk for joining me. Uh, go check his YouTube channel out if you haven't already. It's uh, uh, great content, great stuff, uh, really informative. And, uh, yeah, really, really awesome to see, honestly. Uh, it, it's cool always seeing... Uh, sends uh, members of the community doing stuff in different ways, and he's definitely doing that with the YouTube route. So, uh, yeah, definitely go check that out and check him out on Twitter as well. Um, uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, uh, you know, it means a lot to me. There was one more topic I wanted to touch on real quick because I totally forgot uh, with Senstock there, Um, and and that's the Jason Spezza stuff. Uh, So Jason Spezza got waived by the Toronto Maple Leafs yesterday, and uh, there was a buzz on Twitter about how Ottawa should pick him up, and... uh, I just quickly, I wanted to discuss why, A, I don't think that made sense, but B, why, you know, Spezza was never going to be picked up anyways. Um, and also, we'll start with the first one. Uh, I get there's a lot of nostalgia with Jason Spezza, and, and that makes sense to me, but, um, you know, at this point in his career, he's a 37-year-old who is a fourth-line player and nothing more than that. Uh, adding him doesn't make sense unless you're planning to get rid of Watson or Paquette or Galchenyuk or probably two of those guys so you can you know try and try and move in another rookie like it just it didn't make sense to add another body there and I saw other people saying well why would a team not take him just to screw over the Leafs and and then not have him play well why, why would you do that that means you have one player on your 23-man roster who's not even going to report to you so your options there are wave him so the Leafs can take him again um, terminate his contract so the Leafs can sign him again or have an equal suspension where it doesn't really benefit anyone here. You're just being a dick for no reason. And, and you know, sometimes I think that GMs are too nice to each other, but that is definitely a scenario where I think people would uh, would remember it going forward, especially not just GMs, but other players and stuff like that. So uh, it definitely doesn't make sense, but Spencer wasn't going anywhere anyways. You know, he... Uh, he came out right away and said, you know, like he said last year and this year that he only wants to play with Toronto. If he went anywhere else, he wouldn't be playing. So, um, you know, waving him makes sense. Uh, 
I mean, we cannot talk about the uh, the logic of Toronto of getting so close to the cap that when one guy gets injured, you need to wave your goalie who got claimed in Aaron Dell. He went to the New Jersey Devils today and another player just to try and make some room, um, considering Spezza makes 700 k But uh, this is honestly a smart move for them because now they can move him on and off of the taxi squad for the next month. Once you go through waivers, uh, you don't need to be waived again for 10 NHL games played or 30 days. So, you know, it gives them another option to move in and out of the lineup. And for a guy at Spezza's age, that makes sense. But, yeah, I, I just didn't really think it made much sense Um from an Ottawa perspective of, you know, claiming him, you know, one of the biggest issues have been with this off that have came with this off season is just how many veterans got brought in and added to the mix. And I don't think adding another one would really make sense here. So, um, We'll see where things go, and I'm very excited to watch hockey again this week. I, I think I should have another episode coming at everyone uh, next week after the Winnipeg three-game series. I'll probably record Sunday or Monday again and and get her out then. So, uh, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, you can find the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, and if you're enjoying it, liking, sharing, retweeting, whatever, you know, it really goes a long way, you know, just spreading the word. Uh, it, it really means a lot to me and really, really helps this podcast out. So um, you, know, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find the podcast at last word on sends and you can find me at nhl sends and stuff i i'm back to gifting every single sends game i've got i got the uh, stutzel first career goal out just uh, right away i think within a minute so if you can't watch a sends game but you're online or you know you're tracking highlights or whatever check out my page and i'll try and have all the big stuff on the game that's what my goal is this year for for as many games as possible i know the past couple years it's been close to 70 percent and uh, I usually miss 30% because of school or social life, whether that be, uh, you know, hockey during the week or just going out with friends. But uh, this year, there's not a lot of that. It's a lot more staying at home, at least for the time being. So there's a good chance I get to a lot of the 56 NHL or Sens games. So, uh, yeah, check me check the profile out if you haven't already. And, and thank you, everyone, for listening. And I will talk to you all next week.